give me a giant cheer if Heather Miracle is your favorite twin between the two twins of Sugar Cookie Marketing. I'm just kidding. I figured out how to add audio bits and I'm running this show solo today. So this is definitely going to be what I would like to say. Great. This is Heather Miracle with Sugar Cookie Marketing. And as I mentioned today, I'll be flying this plane solo. And if you know anything about me, you know that I have no clue how to fly a plane. So please buckle up and put your head between your legs because this is going to be a bumpy ride. I know you're probably wondering why you're dealing with just me, your favorite twin, and that's because after 32 years of meticulous planning, those murder podcasts finally paid off and I put my evil plan into action. (laughs) Okay, okay, I promise I'm done with the sound effects. I'm not done with the sound effects. Okay, but where's she at though? Seriously, girl. Uh, She is six feet under. I'm only kidding. She has been complaining of constant stomach pains for the better part of the last six months. Yes, I've had to deal with that nail on a chalkboard voice telling me how much her stomach hurts. But on Tuesday morning at 1 a.m., she woke up throwing up. Gross. Then she drove herself to the ER. Again, not sure why her husband didn't. More on that later. And proceeded to make friends with a porcelain throne for the next four hours in the ER waiting room. Gross again. Finally, she got a room where she binge-watched the inside of a trash can for an additional three hours before the doctor came in and told her to try this new hack called drinking water occasionally. Because apparently she's been skipping that whole part of the living a happy and healthy life and diet, and now she has the biggest kidney stone the doctor has ever seen. It's so bad, in fact, they cannot operate until the kidney infection, gross again, has died down. So they're putting in a splint today, and she'll go back for surgery next Tuesday. I may not have killed Corey, but I'm about to kill it on this podcast, so let's get back at it. So who are we? Or, well, today I I hail from the Sugar Cookie Marketing Group on Facebook. It's a group of about 15,000 business bakers from all over the world determined to turn side hustle into hundreds, from full-on restaurateurs to people who literally Googled what is royal icing and why do I hate it today. We have a good mix of experience and ingenuity. Like I mentioned, the group is just over 15,000 members, all of which unanimously voted to hear my sultry voice grace their AirPods. So we've created this roughly 30-minute weekly podcast to cover something around marketing, a little tidbit on business mindsets, cover some awesome group member voicemails and messages, and finish with some what's going on with the Sugar Cookie Marketing Group. Lastly, I hold everyone hostage as I tell you one thing this week that has interested me that I think could interest you also. So this podcast is set up pretty simply. We want to start with the marketing minutes. It ranges between five or 10, whatever Corey and I decide. I know I'm sorry, guys. Then we go to the business of baking. And that's just a little something business focused, not so marketing focused that we think will help you guys. Then we're going to switch over to voicemails, which are voicemails, texts, or emails from the wonderful people of the Sugar Cookie Marketing Group. Then we're going to end up with some group stuff. And in the last five minutes, we're going to talk about Twinterest. The things the twins find interesting. I thought that was an amazing pun. I didn't get a lot of feedback from it last week, but I'm still pushing it. So that brings us to the marketing minute. And since I have the microphone all to myself, I'm going to make it extra boring. But no, seriously, I have a tip for you guys that everyone can implement, and it is absolutely free, which is the magic four-letter words of marketing. It rarely comes up, so when it does, we all like to focus on it. 
It is creating a Google My Business profile, often called GMB. It's the one social media profile most people don't have, but that all hustlers and big boys absolutely should have. The Google My Business profile. Before you turn this volume down, I'm going to give you three reasons why you need it, and I'm going to also tell you how to make one, so no excuses. So what is Google My Business? It's often shortened to GMB or GMBs in the marketing world. It's essentially Google Maps crossed with social media. Creating a Google My Business means you can collect reviews across Google. You can post events that are attached to your store name. And when somebody Googles your business, they can see those. And you can connect your website, phone number, and a lot more all in really one convenient place. But, but, but I don't want my home address to be posted for all to see. Good, because Google actually doesn't want your home address posted either. You can create a Google My Business account and leave your home address unlisted. Only you and Google know that address, but you still get many of the benefits I just listed above. Have you ever typed anything into Google Maps as a location and hit directions and hit drive and it says duck donuts may be closed by the time you arrive? Would you like to continue to blow your diet or should we not? Uh, Google's pulling that information from the Google My Business for Duck Donuts. Maps also works as a bit of a search engine, so if you type in smoothies near me, it's going to pull any GMBs related to smoothies and give you directions and further information, such as when they close, other specials and things like that. Obviously, the intention of Google Maps is to provide driving directions, which is why Maps prefers Google My Businesses with posted address and not just service areas but you can still get a lot of the benefits with just the service area set up. So what do I mean when I say service area? Service area, Google My Businesses basically say, hey, I provide a service, although customers can't come to my location to purchase from me, I will deliver it to their location, I will drive to the location, I will service their area, they just cannot come to my house or place of business. It is a great option for home business bakers who don't necessarily want somebody knocking on the door at 9 p.m. looking for cookies for their kid's birthday that they forgot. So what do you need to create a Google My Business? I'm actually going to start off with what you do not need. Um, You do not need an actual LLC. It's similar to starting a Facebook page. So just definitely confirm with your cottage laws that you're not breaking any rules. But I'm going to guess that this doesn't violate any rules. You can't actually sell through your uh, Google My Business profile. So it's not considered online sales. It's very much like you just made an Instagram except for on Google. Uh, You do not need a storefront. As mentioned, your home can be your business office and you can hide that as well. So there is no excuse not to have one of these. You also do not need money. Google My Businesses are free unless you try to pay for ads or some additional services that they're rolling out. But for the majority of us, it is a $0 investment, which we absolutely love. You don't actually need a website or a phone number. Ideally, you'd have these. Google My Business actually provides a website for you if you so choose. So if you don't have a website, this is a great baby step. You don't get a ton of functionality, but you get enough. It basically is a landing page that says business name, business hours, business contact information, business photos. So it is gateway drug to actually making like a Squarespace website or something like that. Am I talking too fast, guys? I'm so sorry. Usually at this point in the podcast, Corey's doing jumping jacks in the background to get my attention to talk slower. So basically the summary of that was definitely make a Google My Business. But back to topic, what do you need to create a Google My Business, a GMB account? Unfortunately, yes, you need to kiss your Yahoo email goodbye and you need a Gmail account. You cannot get around this requirement. 
In order to access your Google My Business dashboard, you will do that through your Gmail address, and that is where Google will contact you about a lot of things, such as when somebody leaves a good or bad review, they'll send you an email saying, hey, you received a five-star review from Stacy and a two-star review from Steve, and we all hate Steve. Um, you'll need to set your category after you create your account. Your category should be the one most similar to what you offer. Here's a little insider information. One of the categories Google has is cookie shop, which should probably be your primary category if you are a sugar cookie baker. I think they may have cake options for you cakers. Um, but if not, there's additional categories. You're not limited to just one. I would say keep them very similar. So we also teach cookie decorating classes. So I've added cooking classes to ours. Um, keep your category similar. If you say, well, I can make lawn mowing cookies. So I'm going to put landscaper as a category. That is not the correct use of that feature. You'll also need an actual address and not a PO box. Uh, Google, there's a lot of um, people who create fake Google My Businesses because they are so powerful. So Google's requirement is that they can send you a, a piece of mail to your actual address. And that is actually how they will verify that you're a legit business. So you'll create your account. The last step it says before it says anything else, and a lot of people miss this, is thank you so much. You'll receive a postcard from us in five days. And at that time, when you get it verified by typing in the code on the postcard, we will let your Google My Business go live. So until that, until you verify it, you will not see anything from Google. Lastly, you should ideally have a website and phone number. This will be public. You cannot hide your phone number. I know we talked about in the group this week, fake phone numbers. We use callfire.com. It allows us to rent a phone number for $10 a month and we can set it to whisper call forward. That means it's before I answer the call, if somebody called from Sugar Cookie Marketing, as the phone is ringing on my actual personal phone, it will say, this call is from Sugar Cookie Marketing. And when I answer, I can say, hey, this is Heather with Sugar Cookie Marketing and sound all real friendly and not mean like I typically do when somebody calls me. It's a great option. Google Voice is free. It has a little bit less options and features for you, but again, it is free. Um, so I think you could actually have that one listed there and to take the calls. Again, Google My Business provides you a website if you do not have one, so that is a great option as well. Make sure though, if you do have a website, do not let Google override your website with their own. So that wraps up my marketing tip, which is basically create a Google My Business. It's a free space. It's free to do. It's awesome to set up. It helps your end user be able to find a lot more about you. It is also a ranking factor as far as SEO is concerned, which I know people hate to hear the word, but it is so valuable. It is actually my day job. So if you guys could go and create one a day, you would have done something awesome for your business and would probably only take you about five minutes. Moving on, that takes us to the business portion. We had this pretty cool post going on in the group, I think, um, last month, and I'm going to actually read aloud a lot of the concepts here. We crowdsourced a cookie contract based on a lot of people's experiences, mostly bad, where they said to themselves, oh my goodness, I wish I had that written into my terms of services. And I figure kind of reading through some of these, we kind of rewrote them to be a little bit more catchy and fun, but it might make some of y'all think, hey, I wish I had that in my cookie contract too, because the best thing about expectations is setting them before you need them. Um, nothing's worse than a client saying, well, what are you going to do about this? And you're like, oh, I forgot to mention that's actually not refundable. So let me read through some of these. I really enjoyed them. Everyone was really great in creating them. 
Payment due, you pay, I bake. Payment is required up front so that I can source your cute cutters, spectacular sprinkles, and perfect packaging. Your payment reserves your pickup date too, so win-win for all of us. That one is a a all-important one. I, I highly encourage if you haven't gone to the payment first type business, do so. It's a matter of time before you create something and somebody doesn't pay before you feel burned that you wasted a lot of time and got no, no payment for it. So this next one is... I've had a bunch of experiences with it. When people don't come to pick up their cookies that they already paid for, it is kind of crazy that people can do this, but they do it. Um, We said no show equals no cookies. These cookies are best enjoyed fresh, not showing up to the agreed upon pickup date forfeits your order, but take heart. We'll donate them to a family in need. Need to reschedule your order. Awesome. Reach out X days prior to your pickup time. That's awesome to do before you need to use it because if people don't show up and we've had people in the group say that somebody's knocked on the door over two months later looking for their order, refunds. I can offer refunds up to 24 hours after payment is accepted. Unfortunately, after that time, I cannot offer refunds as your cutter order has likely already been placed, but the good news is you get cookies. Um, Some people have a no refund policy. Absolutely fine. These are just ideas for you guys. Moving along, delivery clause. All orders are pickup only if that's what you offer. Delivery can be an option if you live within X miles of this pickup location with an additional fee of X dollars. I love a good drive. Bonus if that drive is past a Starbucks. That's an awesome one because if you do not want to deliver, you need to let people know that before they say, okay, well, when are you dropping these off? Um, And if you do want to make some side cash, then possibly offer that as an upsell. I'd be happy to deliver for dollars. And a lot of people will take up on that because they don't want to drive themselves. So it's a win-win for everybody. A lot of these are win-wins for everybody involved. Uh, Pickup dates and times. Delivery and pickup times are set upon ordering. This is because other customers need their cookie fix too. We have bulk pickup dates to accommodate most schedules. So put that cookie pickup date in your calendar. It is great to remind people, hey, this is designated. This isn't something you can, hey, I can't make it. I'm so sorry. Can I come tomorrow? There's nothing more obnoxious than having to constantly be ready for someone to knock on your door and you don't know when. So saying, hey, listen, you know, set this date and time before they order so they know what they're getting into. Uh, Change cutoff. Decisions are tough, but we're here to help. Order changes can be made until X date. After that, all changes requests will be under consideration and a small fee may apply. I think a lot of people think if a door is left open, that means they can walk through it. So if you don't shut that door, they don't know that they shouldn't. So be fair to them. Let them know that you don't want changes after a certain date. I think everyone will be a lot happier. Inspiration. This is a good one when we start talking about Disney characters. I'm almost hesitant to say it on this podcast. Um, Thanks tons for bringing those inspiration pictures. They're just that inspiring, but your cookies may not be a perfect replica. We'll try to keep it close, though. Here's another great one. COVID care. We know that you can't control when you have come in contact with a person who has COVID and we want to work with you. Need to reschedule your event. We can freeze your cookies for two weeks so you can stay at home and rest. And that's fair to everybody because, you know, if as long as you explain to them, cookie, these cookies stay fresh that they're frozen, but they can't get a refund because you've already rendered services. I think it works really well for everyone. In a hurry. While I can't accommodate last-minute orders all the time, I will make my best effort to. Orders placed with a turnaround time of under X days will require a rush fee of X. Let people know that up front. I know a lot of people think, oh, I forgot this, and they're all really willing to pay that rush fee. We just feel so awkward asking for it, but that's what we're used to. If I ask most businesses if they could hurry it up, they'll either let me know if I have to pay extra, and then it's my decision, well, I can, I can wait a little bit longer. Or, yeah, sure, take 10 bucks. I know I'm late. 
Uh, price adjustments. All prices are subject to change. Price is often dictated by the ingredients cost. I'm always trying to provide the best tasting cookies to my clients. This means I can't honor old pricing because a local grocery store won't honor their old flour prices. Darn it. Um, that's a great one if you're also ch- choosing to raise your prices because you have been undercharging. So nobody's kind of grandfathered in and you're not working with multiple different pricing structures. Uh, product photography, say cheese. We create replicas of our client orders to photograph these sweet looking sweets. If you do not want your cookies in the spotlight, please let me know at the time you place your order. Secrets are safe with me. Uh, somebody in the group had taken uh, photos of a cookie that was meant for someone who was in the hospital for something. And the client said, hey, I do not want you to post that to your page. But the girl had spent a lot of time baking and decorating, and she thought it was a little unfair that she didn't have that expectation up front. So she couldn't post them, but if she had asked ahead of time, she possibly wouldn't have been able to work with the client to see if she could have posted them or at least set her expectations that, hey, I'm not going to get a lot of credit from these. Uh, This is another one about the Disney thing. Copycats, copyrighted images, think Star Wars and Peppa Pig are protected, and I won't be able to replicate these baked goods. Who wants a cookie controversy, right? We can make a similar color palette color palette though so let's talk that's always a great option like hey i can't do it exactly but let's talk we can find a workaround and i think a lot of people are pretty open to that too but setting that expectation ahead of time goes a long way with clients uh pictures are worth a thousand words but they're not always accurate colors and lighting and photos may be slightly different than what you end up with also cookies and photos may may not be true to size which is a bummer i'd frankly love to eat an eight and a half by 11 cookie so that's just again setting expectations with clients i know most people won't expect that but it's that one-off guy you're just kind of making sure that they get it uh any meany order minimums that didn't rhyme but i am a baker not a poet i require minimum order of x dozen need fewer stay tuned for a pop-up shop announced on my facebook page i love this one because it says hey listen i want your order i do not accommodate small orders but i can at a pop-up shop so i'm not telling you no i'm telling you yes but not right now and always turning those no's into yeses uh is a great way to deal with people it's all yours now. <laughs> this is a good one. It's all yours now. Once you pick up your order, thanks again, by the way, what happens to your cookies, cocoa bombs, and car doors, I hate door dings, is all on you. Keep them safe, keep them cool, and keep them away from the parking lot cart returns. And that's just a jovial way to say that. Once it leaves my porch, man, if that boy, bad boy melts, if it cracks, I'm so sorry, but it is your problem now. I am the baker, not the miracle maker. That's me, miracle speaking. Um, ship shape. As much as I love to hand deliver each and every batch, unfortunately, I often need the help of USPS. I do my best to package the cookies for the rough ride, but broken cookies are a possibility and a non-refundable risk you take when you're placing a shipped order. Also, while I ship priority, I can't guarantee that rain, sleet, snow, or hail won't delay your order. Refunds can't be offered, but know that they're on their way. Once tracking information is provided, claims for lost orders can be placed with USPS. And this is something that actually Etsy does. Once you ship the product, you are no longer liable. If you add tracking information into your Etsy account, the liability falls on the ship, the shipping company and the client, and you are out of the mix. So if somebody says, oh, I never got this, and Etsy says, listen, they provide tracking information, then you're kind of done. Yes, they can leave you a bad review, but they cannot force you into a refund. Uh, this one's a good one. No ghosts. I'm easily spooked to get your order just right. I'll need you to reply to my messages within X hours. Otherwise I may just have to wing it and I'm good at winging it. Just ask my eyeliner questions for me. Please give me about X hours to reply. I'm usually covered in dough. And again, this is setting expectations on communication, which is so great. 
Uh, Achoo! Allergies? Baked goods are often made with foods that can be known allergens. While I can do my best to accommodate, I can't always accommodate allergy-conscious orders. Please do reach out. I may have a perfect referral for you. If you are not a gluten-free kitchen, if you are not an allergy-free kitchen, it's best not to take those orders. You definitely need insurance if you are thinking about that. But I always like to find somebody in my neighborhood who is good at baking those types of orders and give them those referrals, you know, and still works. You're not... The customer can't order from you if you're not allergen-free, so at least hand them off to somebody who could possibly hand you an order down the road. It's a great collaboration uh, right there. Cottage foods laws. This is a great one. Uh, Cottage food laws. This has been made in a home kitchen not inspected by X. Our kitchen is not nut-free, egg-free, or dairy-free, or gluten-free. Boring disclaimer, but we have to say it per the law. Tips Catboy Hat, Shayton's Sheriff Pen. That's a funny way of saying something that is very boring. I know a lot of you have to say it, so... Definitely check your cottage laws on disclaimers that you're required to tell people. Um, yeah, I think that here's another great one I really like. Pay means yay. Once you submitted your awesome payment for your awesome order because you're awesome, you're accepting the above terms, which is awesome because my cookies are awesome. So awesome. And that's basically saying, hey, if you order, you agree to terms and conditions. And that's with most of the things we use in life. I don't think anyone's going to be too turned off to this as long as you kind of take this jovial approach. Uh, Again, these aren't legally binding. I kind of wrote them myself and used a lot of people's help in the comments, but they are a great way to get ahead of problems instead of letting problems get ahead of you. So for today's business minute, the cookie contract is awesome. I'll put the link to this post in the podcast notes. But again, feel free to use, and there's a lot more in the comments that are people just adding some really awesome ideas, things that you could take, pick apart, change, make work for you, and I highly recommend it. Moving right along, speaking at the speed of light, I am so sorry, guys, it's just me, and I am just a chatty Kathy on this rainy day here in Burke, Virginia, but now we're going to our voicemails. So we actually have a voicemail text message email line no one no one answers it so you don't have to be worried that you're gonna hear this sultry voice on the other side of the phone but if you call or text 571-556-5644 or just hit your phone keypad and hope that it lands on fives and sixes you will reach us but this is basically people in the group asking us questions burning marketing questions or singing our praises please sing our praises and we read them aloud. So um, a lot of people found out that they could text us, which is great. So we have a bunch of texts here. So I'm just going to read through some of them. Some of y'all asked some big questions and they are valuable questions. Hi, twins. Corey's not here. So I'm taking all the credit on this time. Let me say I absolutely love the group you started. Thanks for that. You are welcome, anonymous texter. Um, second, can you speak about profit? versus salary. I know the difference on paper, LOL, but how should we gauge it? As a home baker, profits always equaled salary. How can we change our mindset to include profit in our quotes? And what percentage is the general guideline for that percentage? I think it was about three months ago, we had kind of made an Excel spreadsheet. I'll see if I can find it and link it in the podcast notes to help you understand the difference between profit versus salary. If you... If, okay, consider this. If you worked at Target, I love Target. Everyone loves Target. Let's say you worked at Target and they said, okay, great, Heather, thank you so much for putting in eight-hour shift. Uh, that is wonderful. However, we're going to be reporting this to shareholders so you don't get paid today because that profit goes back into the company. Then I would have worked for eight hours for $0 below minimum, minimum wage, right? So when it comes to 
profit. That is everything paid for. That is, I paid for my baking supplies. I paid to turn the lights on. I paid for my props. I paid for my packaging. I paid for my time. And anything left over is profit. And with that profit, you can choose to invest it back in your business or you can take a payment out of it. Your time that you spent decorating and packaging is labor cost. It's not called labor profit, it's called labor cost. So the time you spend decorating and working is actually how much you're getting paid per hour. Um, If you work really efficiently, then you should be charging a higher rate because you're very good. And that means you can get paid more because you work faster. That's kind of the thing, right? So I'm going to make, if if this were me, if this were me doing this, I'd make an Excel spreadsheet. I know there's some apps online that people use. Um, There's some uh, threads in the group about it where you can do a cost analysis of this set. Okay, here's the set. Here's how many I made. Here's what I used to make it. Here's how much those products cost me and how much went into the product. Here's my packaging cost. Here's how long it took me to do this. And everything after that is your profit. You can't consider your time as profit because then you're actually working for a minute. You're not, you're working for $0 and you're acting like profit is a payment, in which case somewhere you're unprofitable because you can't work for nothing and still be successful, right? You are an employee of yourself. That's a great way to see it. And if you worked for you, would you not want to get a paycheck for an eight hour shift? Absolutely not. So you get paid, you get paid for your labor cost, And then anything above that is you the boss, either putting it back into the company or taking it out to pay for that Disney vacation. It's important though, to see those two as two separate entities. You are not, you're two people here. You're the boss and you are the employee. That is what a solo solo entrepreneur, a sole proprietorship is. You are playing a lot of roles here. You're 17 hats and one of them is employee who needs to get paid. And one of them is the boss who needs to get paid as well through profits or whatever. So it's just taking that thing and saying, hey, I'm not working for free and my business is not working for free. So the business needs to make money and you need to make money and all your costs must be covered. If if at any point your costs aren't covered and you're not getting paid, you're actually losing money on each sale and marketing will help you go out of business a lot faster. But that is an amazing question. We have another text from someone who left their name. Hi, my name is Tamara, and I'm a huge fan of the Facebook group. I've been decorating cookies for about five years, but I've only recently started selling them. My clients are just friends and fellow teachers, and I don't have any sort of following. So my question is this. What is the best way to find new people who are local to give you a chance? Thanks for all the work you guys put into the Facebook group and the podcast. That is great. Thanks, Tamara. And awesome question. When you are getting started, you are what we call, you know, they call it a grassroots campaign is when you're out there hitting the pavement. When you ask your mom to help you, that's an astroturfing campaign. So I like to tell my friends and family, hey guys, here's my Facebook page. Give it a like, give it a share. That's going to increase your organic reach of your page post. Any kind of engagement is. Um, And then secondly, I love to get into those local mom groups and either message the admins and mention what you're doing or ask them, hey, when do you guys post the sales post? Things like that. If anyone is looking for a cookie baker, be sure to be in that comment section, post a photo of what you can make, not just a link to your website. The photo is much bigger. It's much more attention grabbing than a hyperlink and Facebook favors. Again, keeping the people on the platform and not sending them off to another website. And there's a lot of great threads in the group about this one, actually. I really like it. Um, Again, I hate to say it, but Facebook ads are a great way to beat the algorithm. Facebook is a pay-to-play platform. Well, pay-to-play platform. That one's a little tough, guys. You got to give me that one. Um, But if you pay to run ads, you can skip all that organic reach and manipulation of the algorithm and get right into the news feeds in front of the eyes of the people that you want to sell to. I think for every 
class we run, we spend $30 in Facebook ads and those run for about four to six weeks. Um, and I don't know, our classes maybe, you know, I think we seat about 10 to 12 people and maybe every other class is missing about one person. But even then the people taking the class or often order to go kids. So we still make that money back. So it's a really great question tomorrow. And I hope that answers your question. Find you the local mom groups, create a list, create a spreadsheet of when they allow those sales posts. I know sometimes they do comment on the thread or every every other Monday and just kind of have that in your calendar. Ping, go check this group. That sales post is about to go up and reach out to the admins. I mean, admins are just people too. They really get the hustle. See if there's some collaboration there. But again, don't sell yourself short. We paid $50 to advertise in a local moms group to 2,000 moms and saw zero sales from it. So take a word from me. I wouldn't expend any money. I would do this all astroturf and free as it could be. But great question. Okay, so that wraps up voicemails. I am running short on time. I talked as fast as I possibly could. I know you guys are about to pull out your ears. My apologies. I really got to work on talking slower, but I just have so much to say. Okay, so group stuff. We are one week into closing the group. So right now we're not accepting new members. We're going to start kind of bringing everyone up on what prop fridges are, why beads are a thing. Should we have a bead civil war? Do you love them? Do you hate them? And some other things just to get everyone caught up and then we'll open up the group again in the next few weeks. But for now, we're sticking at 15,000. This past Tuesday, there was an awesome live. It was Sarah Hughes telling us everything we needed to know about farmer's markets. And it was just her answering any questions that you could possibly have. A big takeaway and something I didn't know is that she actually applies every month to get into the farmer's market and she reapplies. So if someone sneaks in behind her, they get the slot, she gets booted. She can pay upfront for the entire duration of the farmer's market. Also, some knowledge she dropped is you actually have to stay the entire time at the farmer's market. So even if you sell out, you're not packing up. Your butt's going to sit in that chair and stare at people buying apples. And a third tip that I really liked, she said find farmer's markets that aren't necessarily about produce, but that are more about boutiques. So find something with beekeepers because the beekeepers know how to charge their worth because they have to pay for these beekeeping farms. Um, and she said that you're going to see a lot fewer people trying to fight you on prices when it's one of those kind of boutiques where everyone's charging quite a bit more. In fact, she was undercharging compared to everyone else at that farmer's market. Other lives we have coming up, we have How to Nail Mother's Day pre-sales with, the, with Gina Marie Burke, and that's on April 15th at 8 p.m. Gina has only ever sold out. So when, when, if you're ever wondering what a pre-sale is, which I know a lot of people ask, or you're wondering how to absolutely stick the landing, I don't think you're going to want to miss this one. She's really passionate about it, and she really wanted to add value to a bunch of the people in the group, which, God, I love you guys when you guys do this stuff. It is so nice. Um. Corey said if 700 people liked her video of classes, she would teach us a class on teaching classes. So that Facebook Live will be April 22nd. We're going to actually try to set it up in an actual venue to kind of show you exactly what the class is like and show you the curriculum you use. We use a PowerPoint and things like that and really answer any and all questions. I'm going to try my self challenge. If I say it out loud, I got to do it, right? I'm going to see if we can do a live from a DSLR camera. There are ways to do it. It's about 30 hoops to jump through from the YouTube video I watched. Um, but we'll see if it works. But you can find all this event information in the events tab on the Facebook group. I think that's all we have for group stuff right now. So 
Again, if you're wrapping up the three by three by three challenge, that was three comments on people you follow, three comments on people who follow you, and three comments to people who neither follow you nor you follow. And the great way to find that last three is through hashtag research. That should be ending here soon. Little shout out to Sugar Cookie Bookies. Laura runs that group and she is awesome at it. They're covering the Start With Why book and it is a great one. So the last portion of the podcast is Twinterest, things the twins find interesting. And today the thing I'm really digging is minimalism, which I know you guys tell us to buy beads and defunct fridges, but minimalism isn't about not having things. It's about being intentional to the things that you do have. So why are you earning this cookie money? What are you saving for? Is it going to add value into your life? But a big thing, and I like listening to the Minimalist podcast, I think it's on Spotify and a lot of the, I think it's on Apple Podcasts as well, is something they call the 90-90 rule. Have I used it in the last 90 days or am I going to use it in the next 90 days? If the answer is no to both, you should probably donate that item and give it back into the world for somebody else who may use it more than you do. 90 days uh, front and back is about six months. So it even accounts for seasonal changes if we're talking about clothes or stuff like that. So if you're going through your junk drawer, have I used this? Am I going to use this? No, then donate that to somebody else who could get more use out of it than it being hoarded in your prop fridge. I'm just kidding. Keep your prop fridges full, but keep your hearts fuller too. And look into that if you're wondering why you have so much stuff and it's not necessarily making you happier. And then take this cookie money and invest it back into your family. Go on trips with your husband or your wife or save up for something that would really make you truly happy instead of spending it on the small mundane things that don't necessarily add value but do add a bunch of clutter and i know Corey hates that but she has actually started decluttering too maybe that's what triggered her, her kidney stone i have no idea but thank you so much for listening to the podcast today i am sorry it was just me talking a mile a minute but guys remember me when it comes time for your twin renewal your favorite twin of 2021 i put in a lot of work today i've been running the group while cory has been sawing logs in a hospital bed so just kidding guys have a great one